Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. This, this is Kramer Says TV. Says TV. Welcome aboard, everybody. This is the Kramer Says Podcast, and today I'm with Rob Kendall. Rob Kendall is an Indianapolis radio star, but before that, he was in politics and so on. I'm going to let him tell you the true, the, the rest of it. Uh, Rob, tell us about yourself. Yeah, so I do the uh, 9 to Noon show on 93.1 WIBC in Indianapolis. Before that, I was a local elected official in Hendricks County, part of the Brownsburg Town Council. And then after that, I made the uh, egregious mistake of heading into state government for two years, working in as, both uh, under the state auditor and then as the uh, state pharmacy board director. And what made you get out of politics? What was the big driver? Uh, I didn't want to die by the time I turned 35. I was so frustrated <laughs> with it. I was going to have a stroke and fall over dead because government is every bit as inefficient and corrupt as people can imagine multiplied by several times. And what's the big reason for that? What's the primary reason for that? I always refer to it as like the hamster on the wheel. If you've ever had a hamster and you put on the wheel and it keeps going around, in order for the wheel to keep turning, the hamster has to stay on the wheel. Hamster right. gets off the wheel, the wheel stops turning. And what you realize is in government, whether it's Republicans or Democrats, they want the power. And so if you solve right. actual issues, then people don't believe they need the government. So what you quickly realize is that Republicans and Democrats alike are almost equally as invested as the hamster permanently remaining on the wheel. And if you want to get the hamster off the wheel, they uh, they make your life very difficult. Well, you know, the question that came up, I was on a podcast last night. And the question came up is, why do we need more laws? What are they answering? What more can they add to the system to define something, to make something either illegal or they tie it down so it's got a narrow, much more narrow range, right? Why do we, why do we need to continue to create laws. I mean, it just doesn't make, and I, it sounds like a stupid question. My point is, is this, is we've got 20,000 20, gun laws on the books right now across the country. And they're always wanting to add one more gun law or one more type of protection. So why, why do they, is it because they want to put their thumbprint on history? Is that it? No, they, they, they want to look like they're doing something. Most people in government, not, I'm not saying workers, but I'm saying elected people and the bureaucrats that are up at the upper echelon of government aren't very bright if they could <laughs> no, no, I, you know I'm, so, I'm sorry like some of the dumbest people i've ever yeah. been around and again i'm not talking about the rank and file state or federal workers a lot of them are very hard-working good people but the in order to rise up to the level of say a state representative a state senator or certainly an agency head you've got to be a a a great butt kisser for the most part you've got to kiss the right ring fingers you got to do the right stuff because that's where the money comes if you're an elected person which is the lifeblood of politics or if you're a bureaucrat if you're an agency head or something like that that's how you move up well jim didn't make any waves and he does exactly what we say and doesn't ask any questions right. and so promote jim so you have a group of people who if they solve the problems. One, they're not capable of solving problems. If they did, they'd be making a whole bunch of money like you, Kramer, in the private sector. <laughs> but, but 
But if they solve the problems, then people don't need, air quote, need the government anymore. So they're not invested in solving problems. They're interested in the perception that they're trying to solve problems. Kind of like, um, what was the movie? Um, oh, uh, God, Office Space. <laughs> yes. Right? Yes. That, well, but I walk, I walk this stuff down to his office. That's my job. Well, can't he just come down here and get it? No. Why not? Because it's my job to walk it down to his office. So I mean, that's the mentality that I see in government a lot. Here's a great example, and I talk about having to get out of government because I was gonna, I was, I was in my late twenties, early thirties at the time, and I realized I was gonna kill over dead of a stroke if I didn't get out. When I was the pharmacy board director, they brought me in, and this was when Pence was governor, and they sold it to me because I said, "Look, I'm not a pharmacist. No, no, no. But you're really done a good job as an elected <laughs> official. You're great with administration. You run your own business. We want to hire you to do these things over there." I said, "Okay, all right, let's roll." And you think you're going to get in there and like, it's like, yeah, storm the Bastille. Right. Let's go. Right. Let's make change. Yeah. And so you start looking at all these things and you're saying that's wrong and that's wrong and that's wrong right. and that's wrong. And so my first, my, my year there and my year there, just under a year there, the applications processed were up 11%. The licenses issued were up 6%. But they kept making me do things that made it harder to do those things. They'd make yeah. me go to conferences. They'd make me go to meetings that were a waste of time. And I kept saying, no, 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 I could be working on these right. things for our actual customers, the people who want to be pharmacists. And they kept going, no, 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 that's that's not your job. That's the customer service representative's job. And I'd say, wait a second. That's right. what we do here. We're right. the customer service for these people. No, right. no, 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 that's, that's not your job. My point is they're so into, well, this is how we saw, we've always done it. This is how it needs to be done. It doesn't matter whether it's the most efficient. And anybody who gets in there and tells them, you people are full of crap, oh, right. they hate you. Right. Right. Well, we've seen that. Uh, you know, that was kind of my specialty with broadcast when I was working at radio stations around the country is that I was going to clean up bad situations. Um, when, um, uh, what was it called? Um, oh, it's Clear Channel's Live Nation uh, Tour Design. When Tour Design um, was up there in Carmel, um, uh, north of Castleton, uh, actually, uh, on Allisonville, um, I was asked on two separate occasions to come in there and clean that mess up. Right. Because they, they were bad. And, and the guys up there, all great guys. Right. But they're voiceover guys. You know, they're 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 producers there and they don't run the business. And so um, that part of it uh, is interesting to me because, you know, I got called in and then they said they told me in the interview, well, you'll kind of have some autonomy. Can't do my job without autonomy. I can't make I can't make an impact without I, you have to let me do what needs to be done to clean this mess up. Otherwise, it won't get cleaned up. And so I think that that's, that's what's missing in government is that when there's a better way, ah, you're right. If you do that though, this gets changed and I won't, I may not have a job. Is that, do you think it's rampant? That is rampant throughout government or, or is it just in, you know, local city state? Does it go all the way up to federal? Do you believe or? Oh yeah. yeah. No, no, no. I, yeah. I think it's, I think it's, I think it's all over the place because it's, and you've worked for enough companies and you've had enough success and you've seen good and you've seen bad. The, the the companies that often fail are the companies where everybody gets complacent, right? Well, if I just show up and I just press the clock and I just press this button, then nobody will be mad at me and I'll just getting to keep I'll just keep getting to press the button. There's never forward movement. The company doesn't get any better. In the real world, that fails. The company goes under. You've worked for enough radio stations and radio yep. companies that you've seen it. In government, because they can take by threat of force, then you can't fail. You, I mean, think about this. There's 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 twenty nine thousand plus employees in the state of Indiana. And again, a whole bunch of them are really hard workers. And I met a lot of them and knew a lot of them. But in the debate, in the gubernatorial debate in 2020, Eric Holcomb described it as, quote, cut to the bone. 
Think about if you had a state, a, a, a company in which you had 29,000 employees. Can you imagine like if, if uh, Jeff Bezos came out and said, Amazon has been cut to the bone. No, that dude's always looking for efficiency. He's always yep. looking to make it better. Yep. Same thing yep. with, you know, Steve Jobs when he was at Apple or Bill Gates at Microsoft. Uh, that, that's bull crap. But when it's not your money, you don't care. Right. Well, because you can always get more and you can always justify more. I think one of the biggest things that I've seen time and time again is that um, what are you what what are you doing to reduce the cost and increase the efficiencies of your department? At the state level, they go, well, we don't do that. Well, do you spend all the money? Oh, yeah, you got to spend all the money. If you don't spend all the money, you don't get the same amount next year. That's a zero sum balance, right? Zero sum um, uh, funding is that if you don't spend all what you did this year, then they'll go, well, let, you had $100,000 in your budget. You only spent 80. Next year, you only need 80 then. And people go, no, 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 no. I need the whole 100. You know. So what we've seen in, in our industry um, is that people at the end of the year in departments, we go, listen, I've got $30,000. I got to blow. And if I don't blow it, I won't get it next year. So we do these dumb projects that have no impact right? And they're fluff just to be able to spend that money. The same thing happens in government, right? They've got budgets after budget after, I mean, look what just happened in the, the middle of the night that got passed. You know? So what? So when I was the pharmacy board director, they made me go to a conference in Washington, DC, and they made me go to one in Savannah, Georgia. And I told them on both accounts, I was like, I don't need to go to this. They're like, yeah, yeah, you do. I said, no, no, no. There's nothing that's going to happen here that I can't figure out on my own or that I I don't already know or that can't be delivered to me at a fraction of the price. No, no, right. no. You, you've got to go. No, no, no. You've got to go to the – but why? You're going to pay for me to go out there. You're going to pay for me to stay in a hotel. Why? We don't need any of this. And they said, well, because that's what you do. They used to make me go to meetings all the time. And I would say, <laughs> I'm going to be in this meeting for two hours. Right. And I'm, there might be one thing that we talk about because it's these interagency meetings. And I said, yeah. you know, yeah. maybe one thing in the two and a, two and a half hours that's of relevance to me. They can just send that in a memo. No, 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 you got to go. And I used yeah. to always say to them, if we exist in this case to serve the pharmacists, people that are being pharmacists, monitor them, license them, whatever, wouldn't that time be better spent? Me being here helping process us. Well, that's not that's not your job. Well, you don't have ample customer service people to do the job, but yeah, you have enough money to send me to Savannah, Georgia, or right. Washington, DC right. for a conference. It doesn't make right. any sense. Right. Well, that because that comes from a different budget. That doesn't come from the budget that does what you want it to do. That's that comes from a different budget. That's what I've heard. You know, well, where are we getting these schools? You know, there are these huge uh, Taj Mahal schools and 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 especially you know in Zionsville, they've got a great new facility. Um, they built they're building like crazy in the middle of the pandemic, and you're going, where's that money coming from? And they go, well, that comes from a different budget. That was already so, budgeted, so it's so already the, there. Well, this is a great example. Can we touch on schools for a second? Do it. So here's an incredible example of how government can always manipulate its way to whatever result it wants. So in 2008. Indiana passed property tax caps, and I believe yeah. it was in 20, it was, I, it was 2008 or 2000, they put them in the Constitution. It was not only right. a law, but they put them in, a, in the Constitution. I'm getting so old now, Kramer, yeah. years are all <laughs> running together. And so what the, what the state made an egregious mistake in the sense of they left a referendum clause in, as it relates to the tax caps, which they said, okay, we recognize maybe a roof might cave in or a parking lot, you know, could, could go under. So schools do need a mechanism or local governments do need a mechanism to ask for more money in case of an emergency. Well, immediately, almost within a year of those property Everyone. tax caps being passed, now yep. it's, it, everybody wants a referendum, but it's not for emergencies, it's for sinks, it's for science labs, it's for whatever. Well, Zionsville has had like two or three referendums 
Trust me, I the know. property tax caps. Yeah. Yep. And in the case of Zionsville, the first one they passed, it took them three times. They kept coming back because yep. they can use public money to try to pass these referendums. Yep. And the onus is always on the taxpayer to, to defend it, to, to say no. It. Right. So the, the taxpayer is funding the promotion uh, of a tax that they don't want. And then they have to go spend more money to go and defend it and say, when, no, we don't want it. When we beat the one here in Brownsburg, I'm two for two on beaten referendums. I beat the one in Brownsburg where I live, and then I beat helped beat the one in Danville because that's club sport to me to keep keeping other government agencies from getting more money. <laughs> uh, but most of them pass because they're able to, number one, use kids as human shields. And they recognize yeah. that parents who otherwise may be rational, common sense people, if they sell you on your kid could suffer, if I don't get this egregious amount of money, people yeah. will do stupid things. Um, but 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 in the case of Zionsville, they had three, they went back three times in a row to be able to do this. Yeah. Now the kicker is Kramer, is that with property assessments being at record high levels, even though there are property tax caps, Zionsville School District is getting more money now than they got before the tax caps, exactly. and they have a referendum on top of it. Exactly. They, they keep going back because nobody nobody is holding them accountable and nobody will say no because of what you just said. They don't we don't want to hurt the kids at, at some point. It's greed. And, and that's what we've seen in, in Zionsville. That's a great example is that um, my property taxes were six hundred bucks a month. Think about that. That's a car payment. That's a good car payment, right? That that's a that's a big chunk of an apartment payment or or, or whatever else. Six hundred dollars a month. Now, with that being said, Zionsville Zionsville does have some of the best schools in the state. They've got fantastic schools, um, but it comes at a high at a high cost. Uh, and what I'm talking about is these facilities that I don't get. These Taj Mahals. I, I keep going back to um, my grandfather's was born in 1914. Was uh, taught in a one room schoolroom. His generation not not only was the greatest generation, but is what took us to the moon. And these guys were using slide rules and and everything. And, and they they took us to the moon. And the thinking is now is that if you don't have a rock climbing wall in your high school, if you don't have a meditation room in your high school, these kids can't make it. So here, so here's a great example in Brownsburg when in 2015 when they tried to pass the referendum, they hired a guy for sixty thousand dollars. They used sixty thousand dollars of public money to pay this guy to tell them how to pass the referendum. Now, right. luckily, the no side had me, and there's no <laughs> price you can put on me. But when we the went beast. to them, when we went to them and said, "Wait a second, you got sixty thousand dollars of public money to pay this guy to tell you how to raise taxes. Why didn't you use that money to fix some of the sinks and and, uh, exactly. and science labs?" And you know what their answer was, Kramer? Well, that didn't that didn't come out of uh, taxpayer dollars. They said, "What do you mean it come out of taxpayer dollars? Was it a mu magic money tree? No, no, no. That came out of the Coke fund. What do you mean the Coke fund? Well, the money that we have for having a deal with Coke that we sell Cokes at the ball games." Well, that's my money. Yep. It doesn't matter what yep. fund it came yep. out of. Yep. That's exactly. our money. That's exactly. Well, that and, and and we're just talking about, you know, local school systems. If it's happening there, the people that leave the school system and the school supervisor, that board and leaves and they run for the next office, the next office, the next office, the practices that they did there, they don't change as they go up through the system. In fact, it gets worse. Right. We're looking at, you know, roads in Indianapolis. I, Rob, I've got to tell you. I'm disgusted with Hogsett for a number of different reasons, but the roads are, you can cross, you cross the county line and you know immediately that you've left a county that spends their money on the roads and Hogsett, who doesn't, it, it's, there are places in Indianapolis that it's unsafe to drive. You'll lose a tire. And if here's the thing about it, it's not, 
it's not in the best areas of town. They've got their problems. The worst areas of town, the, the, the lowest income areas of town have the worst roads. Why? Because they have the, the, the lowest voice. In the pecking order, I can guarantee you that somebody in my old neighborhood, if there's a pothole that took their tire, they're calling somebody and it's going to get fixed. Right. But if you, if you live down um, on the south side of Indianapolis and on the, on the southeast side of Indianapolis, there's no way that you have any reach or power to, to make a call and get, can I get this pothole down here fixed? Yeah, we'll put you on the list. Yeah, you touched on a great point. So think about this. When you hire someone, Kramer, you list a job and that right. person comes in and interviews for the job and you talk about qualifications for the job. And in that job, you say, look, here's the uh, three or four primary functions and then other services as needed. Right. And if that person has got to prove to you that they can do the primary three or four services. OK, so uh, it, but but in, in government, so in, in, in being a mayor, we talk about Hogsett. Right. It's to be a mayor. The pri four primary things are uh, trash, roads, public safety and snow. Yep. Uh, everything else is services as needed. Right. I don't know about trash in Indianapolis because I don't live there. I just work there. But I do know about snow. I do know about roads. And I certainly know about crime. And, and they suck at all of them. Hogs yep. sucks at all of them. Yep. But he's yep. but he's obsessed with services as needed, which are going to ribbon cuttings. Well, that's it. They become talking heads, right? Uh, they can get in. And I, I look at a lot of these guys at the top as, as Biden-esque, right? They're puppet-esque in that, yeah, they're kind of there. But Hogsett's not running shit, right? It can't, he cannot be engaged because if he, if he was engaged, it would be getting fixed. And it's not getting fixed. They, they don't want to do the actual job. And this is the thing I, I found in elected office at a local level was they don't want to do the job. Because doing the right. job is hard. It's a lot of yeah. reading. It's a lot of creativity. Yeah. It's a lot yeah. of things that business owners do every single day. They yeah. want to go to the Chamber of Commerce meeting. They want to drink their coffee. They want to go to the ribbon cuttings. When they go to the high school football game on Friday night, they want somebody to come up and thank them. You know, they want to be somebody, but they don't want to do the things that make people's lives better because that's hard. Well, let me ask you this. So that leads us to the question of how do we get over this? We know what the problem is, and everybody keeps bitching and moaning about it. How do we get how do we either get better candidates? Uh, in or get these guys out and at least try somebody new? Well, you know, I ran, I was a, was not in politics at all. I'd never been a precinct committee man. I never, I voted. I mean, I did the voting, but I ran because I looked and I said, man, my town is turning into a tumbleweed town if we don't right. do something about it quickly. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know about a tax increment finance district or redevelopment commission or an economic development commission. I just said to myself first, I want to do something and I'll learn about what needs to be done. And you have to have people who are willing to say, I will learn about what I need yeah. to learn yep. about and put the effort into learning about it. And man, we'll learn the job, learn yeah. the job and do what you're hired to do. Yeah. And, and so I ran on, you know, a core set of things and everything I did going forward was, are these four core sets of things, lowering taxes, improving infrastructure, creating economic development and creating government efficiency. And yeah. so everything when I would learn about it would be, how does this fit into the core four of what I promised to do on my door hanger? And it, it's not rocket science, man. If I could do it. <laughs> right. Yeah. I can I tell mean, him, well, I'm working with a candidate out in Nevada and um, great guy. His name is Tom Heck. If you're looking for a, a new governor in Nevada that is not part of the system, Tom Heck is the guy to vote for. I'm, I'm, I'm endorsing him right now. Um, he's, he's not the guy, though, that when you see him, you go, yeah, that's a politician. Right. He looks like us. He talks like us. He's a little goofy. He's a little geeky. But this guy is a logistics guy. He ran the uh, Kwajalein Air Force Base, uh, which is the Ronald Reagan ballistic missile 
facilities, right, in Kwajalein, uh, off the coast of China. So <clears throat> the we have to start getting people in that, in my opinion, that are are qualified for the job and not for the job of getting elected. Right. It's real easy to get people with a great smile. Hey, everybody that can talk well. Right. I couldn't do with that job. I, I, I don't have the qualifications to do what he does. He's he's highly qualified. Um, the problem is, is that we keep expecting to get uh, you know a different result out of going down this path. It, it, besides that, is there is there any other solution? I mean, people, if you say people run, right? Let me, let me, to your point, I think that what we've talked about, and if people started, they think it's so complex. And that's where, that's where I was going. They think it's so complex. Tom came forward and he had a list of 13 things that he wanted to accomplish. And they're good. And I said, well, those are, those are interesting, but you can't talk about those. They don't matter. In the big picture, they don't matter. What matters is, to your point, safety, jobs, education. Yeah, everything, t- everything uh, in your everything that you're going to deliver result revolves around those three things, the trifecta. I'm, I'm three and oh in elections. I've either run as the candidate or run for other other causes. And they haven't risen to the level of governor. But the, the premise is the same. And I always tell people, you got to simplify it down to something people can grasp from the time they grab your door hanger on the door yeah. to the moment they throw it on in the trash. And right. that's that's what they're going to see. What do you want somebody to remember from the time they grab the door hanger on the door yeah. to the moment it goes in the trash? Because that's where it's going. So it's three or four things, and you got to simplify and stay on message to three right. or four things. Whether you're running for county surveyor or governor of the state of of Nevada, <laughs> right? You know, <clears throat> you, you got to simplify it, man. Well, and that's the thing that people people go in and he was he he, he had this list. They were so proud of this list, and I come and look at it, and I go, it's convoluted. It doesn't mean anything. I, I know, you, for example. Nobody gets up in the morning and says, ooh, I wish the state had an inspector general. We need one of those. <laughs> Nobody wakes up. And, I, you know, I kept saying, I kept telling him. And he goes, but yeah, he goes, but the people I talk to, I don't care who you talk to. In radio, I don't know if you ever heard this st- uh, statistic, but it, especially if you're doing top 40 radio, um, the phone calls would come in. I mean, the phones would light up all the time. They're just ringing, ringing, ringing. People would request, request wanting to know stuff, whatever, right? It all t- and people go, well, that's, that's our audience. It's 2% of your audience, if that. It's it's so ch- such a low number um, that is being involved at that level that it's it, it, that that information that they're giving you or the input that they're giving you is meaningless. It's inconsequential, right? And it's the same way here. Is that it's that small it's that small group that are voicing their opinions. Um, and I've lost my point place again. <laughs> no, 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 no. You 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 had a great point, about, right? So here, so Where I'm getting so, to. So here's here's um, a guy who I know you know and have a lot of respect for. Jay Baker told me yep. this one time. Yep. Legendary uh, personality in Indianapolis radio. He said radio. There's a reason every year the the most served form of ice cream at Dairy Queen is vanilla. Right. People may say they like raspberry, you know, chocolate or <laughs> right, whatever. Right. But at the right. end of the day, it's vanilla because everybody can eat vanilla. And in a sense, that's what radio is. And in a weird sense, it's what politics is in terms of messaging. You got to dumb it down to vanilla right. ice cream of which type of vanilla ice that's cream is most to. important to you. Right. That's what I was getting to. That that point that the you know the, the holy trinity or the trifecta of, of jobs, education, um, and safety. If it, everything, all of that revolves around everything. You know, they they wanted to get into it's it funny, and now I know where I was going, is that he got these people in and they were all giving him their little special reason of something that they wanted to get taken care of. Right. And I said, uh, I said, Well, that's awesome. I'm glad to have him part of the campaign. I said, we're not talking about that. And he goes, why not? It's because it doesn't matter. Those things don't matter. Constitutional carry. Awesome. Let's do it. 
not the most important thing on the list. Most important thing on the list is, is what you're talking about. Las Vegas, for example, has a crime problem right now. Huge crime problem. And, and it's, going, it's getting out of control. That needs to be addressed. And the guy who's in charge of that, Lombardo, who's the sheriff of Clark County, he's running for governor. And his, he's running on safety. When he's got out-of-control crime, well, that's where you hit him, by the way, in Nevada. Um, they don't do what we do here in Indiana. They, uh, they run the candidate. Here's a guy that you like. You'll like, do not talk about him negatively. There was a whole thing that we had yeah. signed saying that we wouldn't talk about any candidates negatively. And I go, well, I can't, I can't do that. You know, I, it, there's going to be negative shit I'm going to say about him because that's why we're running. We don't think they're qualified. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's really interesting too. And you make a great point. And one of the things, Indiana, to its credit, has seen a huge surge in the success of the Libertarian Party the past couple of years to where their, uh, their candidate for governor got, uh, Almost, I think it was like 345,000 votes, 11 point something percent of the vote. And it was mostly disaffectioned conservatives who who left and the libertarians have seized on that. And they're 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 making strides to become a viable third party. And one of the reasons is because they're starting to nominate candidates. And as a party, they're starting to talk about, look, soccer mom in suburban Indianapolis does not care about your weed obsession. No, sorry. You nope. know, and there's a lot of people who are, you know, weed voters. And and look, I'm a huge proponent of medical marijuana, but soccer mom in suburban Indianapolis does not care about weed guy. And and no. that's the, that, so it comes back to what you're saying though, right? It's right. the core issues and how are you going to make them better? Right. Right. Well, that's what, you know, a buddy of mine said, he goes, you know, most people are looking, most people are looking, looking for a political candidate that will go do the job that they never have to deal with again. People don't think about politics until it's time for elections. That's why politicians, I believe, can get away with what they get away with. It's why bureaucrats can get away with what they get away with, because nobody pays attention to what they're doing until it's time for an election. An election's like an audit, right? That's how Enron got in trouble. It, it was the audits. Uh, Bernie Madoff, that's how he got in trouble was the audits. When he finally was uh, unable to uh, quit manufacturing fake numbers in those audits, all of a sudden they caught him, right? And, and the House of Cards came down. I, I have a feeling that if we were to do the same thing with our politicians, we would see a lot of them locked up as well for the same exact causes that Bernie Madoff got perp walked. A big part of getting into politics, we talked about, you and I talked about this the other day. The reason I don't see myself going back into politics again is because I like what I do now because I can pull the bull crap, right? Like I get right. paid to pull the bull crap. I get paid to be entertaining, to say things that entertain people. And I can get up and have fun and, and, and be entertaining each day. If you want to be a serious politician, especially if you're running as an outsider, right? If you're running as a conservative, trying to break up the Republican establishment, or certainly as a third party, you have a microscope on you that's way above everybody else because of the standard that the, the, you've got to unfairly hop over. Right. And if you're going to run as an insurgent or as a third party, you got to cut the bull crap. you got to be serious. you got to stay yeah. on the topics people care about. You've got to be a serious person. And that's going to be a challenge for a lot of people running for public office, especially unexperienced people, because right. they want right. to talk about everything and be everything <laughs> to everybody. Well, to your point, you know, the, the pot thing is a great example. If it's not pot, it's something else. It's always some special... Um, but special, you know, passion thing that they passion project or passion law that they want passed because they feel so big about it. And no, everybody else who gives a shit, I, I couldn't care less about it. It does not affect my job, my kids' education, or my safety. Why am I concerned about? Why am I going to that? Why is that the reason to vote you in? Right? I don't care about a new library downtown, Indianapolis. I don't know if you know this. Indianapolis is building on that been building on that goddamn library for thirty fucking years. 
We're in the age of digital, and they continue to pour millions of dollars into the state library, the, the downtown library. It's insane. Now, it's a great facility. It's beautiful. But it's unneeded in today. Today, we don't you don't utilize a facility like that anymore. Yeah, and you've made more money than you deserve, so you'll appreciate this. Um, <laughs> that you know, government is like a big giant dinosaur. It's massive and it's powerful, but it's clunky and it doesn't move well. And if you know, if a T Rex had to turn, you know, right. obviously none of us actually saw a T Rex, but you don't picture it just whipping around, right? Right. And government right. is big and it's powerful like a T-Rex, but it's not lean and efficient and effective like you have to be in business right. every day. Right. And that's why you're way more successful than the government. Well, I, I, Exactly, because we're, we're, we pivot so quickly. Um, we, we've likened it. I've used the analogy of, you know, a, a ship at sea versus a speedboat at sea, right? Um, speedboat may not be as powerful and may not make as much of a wake, but man, they can get around a lot faster. And so with our clients, what we've done is that, that exact thing. We can move so much quickly, so much quicker than a big agency, for example, because we have all the working parts inside. We don't have to go to a, 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 an independent agency or a, or a production house. We have it built in and we built in those efficiencies because that's where the money is. Right. And, and you, the and, profits and you can, in the, in the efficiencies. And you can't. And the difference is if you're not efficient and don't give the client what they want, they can stop paying you and find someone else. Right. Government can by force take money from you it never has to be efficient so you're completely to come full circle on this you're completely beholden in government to people who are altruistic and noble and want to do it and there aren't that many altruistic no. and noble people out there no it's like uh friedman said he goes who's, who's who are these angels why are you <laughs> who are these angels you say you trust right where are they um you're, you're absolutely right we, we've we've looked at i think over the last in particular the last four years but we've, we've seen over the last 12 to 15 years a shift in this country um, that has uh, made us more divided than ever. Uh, Obama's promise, and this isn't a left or right thing. This is a, this is a political thing. Obama's promise, regardless of what party you're in, is that he was going to be a unifier. Didn't happen. Went the opposite way. Joe Biden is now saying, and by the way, Trump never said he was going to be a unifier. He said he would rebuild the GOP, which he did, but he never talked about everybody else. He was serving first the people of the GOP because that's who voted for him. Then it was everybody else and anybody. And I think that anybody who forgets that is insane um, in politics, right? You, you support your party first and then everybody else gets the benefits of you being in office. That's the way it is. As they say, elections have consequences. Um, but Biden is now running on the same exact thing or ran on the exact same thing. He was going to be a unifier. And here we are a year and a half into his presidency. And we're farther apart than when we were with Obama. I mean, Obama was more successful at doing it than Biden has been. Do you see that improving over the next year or anytime uh, soon? Well, okay. So as as regards to Uniter, I don't believe in that idea. And in fact, when I was elected, uh, because I was a total outsider and I the establishment hated me, uh, when I decided to get sworn in, I didn't just do it with a judge somewhere. I rented the town hall and we had a big party and, and we had hundreds of people there <laughs> to celebrate. They were part of the campaign because my goal was to make people as mad as I possibly could who didn't like me. And I succeeded. Um, but the speech I gave, I actually said, I am a divider, not a uniter. And this country needs people to be dividers between the people who are for you and the right. people who are for the government and the special interest. 
Right. It, it, it is an us versus them thing right now, Kramer. It's not. It's not. It's not Republican Democrat. I it's agree. People who are for the people, and it's people I who agree. are for the party and for the government. And so, no, no, no. I don't believe in this idea of uh, I'm a uniter. People will unite. People will always go for their best interest. Yep. And if you put policies forward that are for the majority's best interest, and they can see it, they will vote for you. And yep. that's the accomplishment. Well, let me ask you this. With that being said, you know the big issue right now. And I was I was really excited to see what happened in Arizona and some of these battleground states where they've gone back in and done these audits. And regardless of what you think about the audits, whether they should or shouldn't be done, here's the thing. In an open, free society where you're supposed to be having free elections, audits shouldn't be a problem for anyone. As a company, uh, if we're doing a project with a client and we have huge budgets that we're dealing with, we get audited just to make sure that we're not ripping them off and spending money in ways that we shouldn't be spending or haven't been authorized to spend. So when the government fights for an election or for election results or election processes to be hidden, we got a real big problem. Here's what was exciting for me, though, is that when you you got in deep and you started finding out who was there, it was libertarians. It was Republicans. It was Democrats. The, the thing is, is that there are people out there, true patriots across the board, that want the right thing to be done. And they can leave their ideological bullshit behind leave that baggage at the door and walk in and say, let's find out what's going on here. That was exciting for me. That was at least promising. I wish we could see that elsewhere. But sadly, to your point, um, that's the the division um, is not a good division. There used to be a good division, and that good division was like uh, uh, Tip O'Neill, right, and Ronald Reagan. They battled and they debated, but they would then go drink. They'd have They'd go have a beer. You could be friends. I still go head to head. Today they can't do it. We've got people like AOC and Tulsi, uh, not Tulsi, uh, AOC. Uh, who's the other one? Um, Rashida Talib. Rashida Talib is who I was thinking of. Is that you know the the that group of women are some of the most toxic voices, and it's not because they're women; it's because their i their ideology is toxic. So we're so far apart, and I agree with you that the, the founding fathers did not want us to be you know getting in there and compromise. They didn't want laws to be passed. They wanted to make it difficult for that process to happen. Right. You had to go through a, a debate. And, and that's why we have the processes in place to get a law passed. They didn't want that compromise. They wanted a law to be tough. Well, today we're not getting laws passed and things aren't getting done because it's so visceral. Do you see that ending or, or is this is this is still healthy? Well, I think, always said fighting is healthy. I think one of the greatest problems and I've said this for a long time and Kramer, you know, this and one of the reasons I like you is you're a lot like this, too. I got enough friends, and I don't care if anybody else likes me. <laughs> you know, My you, wife has a T-shirt she got in Mexico that says, fuck off, I have all the friends I need. <laughs> so the, there's only a handful of people that I care what people think about, that I care what they think about me on this earth. My girlfriend, right. my mom, my dad, my dog. That's about it. Everybody yeah. else, I don't care. But there are so many people who get into politics. So, so when I was in it, it was to do the right thing. Oh, you're going to come yell at me at a public meeting? Don't threaten me with a good time. Because I saw the election results, and my people were the outsiders who quietly went and voted, and they don't come to town hall because they don't have a personal interest, and they expect me to right. do the right thing. You want to come scream at me? Good. That's, inter that's entertain entertainment yeah. for the evening. But the problem is so many of these people get into politics and it becomes their life. Harry Chapin once did a song called Mr. Tanner, and it's about this guy who owns a dry cleaning store, and he's this great singer, and he tries to become a professional singer, and it doesn't work out. And he, the, the chorus of the song is, music was his life, it was not his livelihood. And these 
guys in politics recognize they can make politics their livelihood yep. and they aren't capable of doing anything else in the real world. So they become addicted to being in politics rather than doing what's right. So that's why you have super majorities in the uh, Republicans in the Indiana House and Senate who did nothing to stop Holcomb while he shut the state down. Yep. Nothing. Because nothing. they did not dare cross him because Holcomb's yep. a vicious person. Yep. And when you cross him, you get the Curtis Hill treatment, which is you get run out of public office. Yeah. Trust me, I know. I'm no longer working with the caucus. <laughs> yeah, you got that, it. that exact reason. Yeah, you right? got it, didn't you? Because you yeah. came, you yeah. went on the radio and you said, and in your other platforms, and you said, "Here's what's happening. Here's what's wrong, and here's what we should do about it." And the Republicans are to blame. And yeah. those people are so uh, thin-skinned; they are so insecure that they punish anybody who points yeah. out any flaws. Yep. Yeah. And I made a ton of money. I mean, we made political was a huge, you know, it was a windfall every two years. We did, we do a big role in, in the primary and then men in the, the general, we would just knock it out of the park because we were working nationally and generally in the, you know, in the, in the general and that money, man. And they just blackballed us everywhere, everywhere. My name was made mud everywhere. Here's the thing that happened to me 25, 30 years ago in radio. So when I worked at Q95, Chris Wheat blackballed me here in town. Right. Um, and, uh, I, I, at that time had a hard time with it. Um, what I've learned is it was the best thing to ever happen to me because when you're, when they treat you like that, um, and you're blackballed, you have nothing to lose, right? I can do anything I want now. And that's what I've said. You, you didn't make me, you didn't quiet me up. You made me an evangelist of what the fuck you guys just did. I, I'm a megaphone now. I've got the loudest voice. I will continue to say it because it's not right. Politics with inside politics is why we can't get a, get ahead. Nathan, Ha Nathan Hale famously said, one of the great founders of this country, my only regret is I have but one life to give for my country. And he was literally talking about his life because yep. he was executed in yep. all we ask now occasionally is you got to have some, uh, you know, some, some income adjustments based on your politics. And, but what you did was important Kramer, because you said, I'm willing to lose a whole bunch of money to stand up for what's right. 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 And and we have people now who won't even lose money, much less give their lives. Well, they won't, they won't, do that. They're not willing to lose two weeks. They, they won't step down and, and leave for two weeks and say, listen, I'm not working for two weeks. We'll show that. We'll show everybody. I've told everybody that that's what if you want to make a, If you want to make a protest, don't drive a convoy to, to D.C. during, you know, high gas prices or stay at home. Don't do dick for two weeks. Your whole company shuts down, shut down. Entire company shut down for a two week period. We've already done it once. Remember, we stayed at home for two weeks. Teach the government. We'll shut down for two weeks. We're not coming back. You want us to work? You're, nothing's happening. And pe people under that—that's a—that's a big project. It's hard to do to get people to do that. Here's what's going to happen. My opinion, it's going to happen involuntarily. We are going to go back. That we're back through this cycle again. The new lockdown is we can't afford to travel. That's the new lockdown. Gas prices are so high now that people—I don't know if you saw—California nine to ten dollars a gallon. Insane this morning. Uh, yes. And everybody's feeling it. And we have, uh, started carpooling to work. We work fairly close together. My girlfriend and I do. And, you know, I was talking with somebody yesterday and I said, look, I don't mind doing it. I'm Mr. Thrifty. I'm Mr. Frugal. I've got places, money buried in places people would never dream of when I pass away. They'll go, no <laughs> kidding. That was pretty creative. Um, but the point is we shouldn't have to. You shouldn't have to do this. It's because right. of decisions made here. And now the new gaslight is, well, Ukraine this and Russia that. No, 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 no. Yep. It has a it has a small part in it. It's 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 pushing prices up. But man, gas has gone up 
it's almost doubled under uh, under Biden in a year now. Yeah, in a year, and he wants yeah. you to he wants you to, he wants you to believe that it happened in the last two weeks. It's gross, but th- but these are the people that serve high up in government because yeah. they're professional butt kissers. They're professional backstabbers, and when you put a butt kisser and a backstabber and you mix them together, you have a toxic poison, which is what Jen Psaki does every day. She goes out, looks the world in the eye, and lies exactly. to them every yep. single day. Yep. I couldn't yep. do hold it. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm not done with my lie. Hold on a moment. I have more to it. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that we're, we're, we're in a position right now where we, we're at the doorstep, if, if not inside the threshold of hyperinflation, right? It, it's going to start feeding on itself. Um, and, and, and when you say that, people go, oh, you're crazy. Okay, last year, this time, gas was right at $2 a gallon. I'm crazy, right? Um, <clears throat> food, two, two years ago was substantially though. I think it's gone up what 12, 14% over the last just over the last year and they're saying now with these fuel costs it could see another another rise or another 24% rise in cost. People can absorb this. If people remember 2008, it was high gas prices that was a catalyst for everything that happened. Are you like me Kramer? Do you have a grocery but you're very well off, so I don't know if you do this. But I a- <laughs> That's how my wife said she knew we were rich when she didn't have to use coupons anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but she still does. She still does. I have a grocery budget, and mm-hmm. so I've started playing a little game when I go to the store of how many things that, and I pretty much, I'm a creature of habit, so I pretty much buy the same things every single time. How many things this week are not in the cart that were in the cart last week? Right. And so, for example, this past time to make it work, I had to take a box of Cheez-Its out because I'm I'm dedicated to seeing how low my grocery cart can go to stay yeah. in that budget range, and that's right. gross. That shouldn't happen in America. Right. right. Well, that, and that's that's what people are starting to feel. We are at the let them eat cake period, right? Um, Buttigieg. Well, you know I know gas prices are high. Buy an electric car. You ever been to South Bend, Kramer? Yeah, I went one time. And I drove straight up 31. So for those of you who aren't, aren't in Indiana, there's a, there's a road that runs from Indianapolis, the capital city, all the way up to, to South Bend, Indiana. And so you can get on 31 and not leave. And it's a, you know, it's a pleasant little two-lane trip most of the way. Yep. And, and when I got to South Bend, it looked like something out of a Charles Dickens novel. You're not kidding. It was Depressed. the roads, potholes. Yep. Uh, they were terrible. The sidewalks were awful. And then when you're greeted when you come into town and... Look, I've frequented uh, several of these places when I was single, so I'm not judging. But it was strip clubs, payday lending, liquor store, blood bank, abandoned car lot. Not that there's anything wrong if they're law-abiding businesses, but that's what you want people to see when you come into your town. That was some of the worst infrastructure I've ever seen. And the idea that that guy, and this comes back to what we talked about earlier, he, he knows as much about infrastructure as I do the military. Right, right. Which is nothing. Right. And yet and yet he he is the guy because he dropped out of the race at the right time and endorsed Biden at the right time. He's the guy they picked to be transportation secretary and everything related to transportation sucks. Yep. Because you have unqualified buffoons making the decisions. Well, we have we, again, we've gotten to this position where Republicans have been silent on it. And they they kind of they kind of raised, you know, during during the campaign cycle, they raised their voice. Um, but they they seem to be afraid of saying the king has no clothes. Um, during the during the lockdown, 
that was the wildest thing I've ever seen. I've worked with a number of these candidates over the last 10, 15 years of helping them get their, you know, we, we produce their campaign commercials, their TV commercials, their websites. Like, and it's funny that every time that we created a commercial, we would talk about, as a candidate, I will fight for you. You know, Bob Johnson will fight for you. Bob Johnson's going to the Capitol to fight for you, right? You've heard the spots, right? And I started calling these guys, hey, guys, when are you going to stand up? When are you going to start fighting for us? That's what you promised you were you campaigned on. You're going to fight for us. Awful quiet now. Where's that energy, boys? Because it, it's that cycle thing, right? And when you hold them accountable, again, like an old boss of mine said, you know, Kramer, you are the you're a cancer with inside this organization. Well, not a cancer, right? I'm trying to tell you guys that hey, there's an issue. I'm I'm the pain. I'm the I'm the pain in your knee that may, needs you that makes you go look and say why is it hurting so bad? And you go to the doctor and go, oh, here's the problem right? We can solve that problem. You can't solve the problem if you don't make pain first. Somebody has to be aware that there's a problem. And when you do that in politics, you're the squeaky wheel, right? Either they will leverage that and they'll let you run with it until you hang yourself. And we've seen it happen time and time again, or you, they fight you tooth and, and toenail. Like Jim Jordan, do you think that he gets at the federal level? Do you think that they people around him like him when he goes out on his tangents or Gozer or some of these other, um, um, I wouldn't call them loudmouths, but bullhorns, right? Saying, hey, there's a problem here. You, I, I've got to believe that he goes back in and people are going, idiot, what, you, what are you doing that, man? Is, is that how it works? Imagine in your job, if you didn't do what you told your boss you were going to do, like, okay, you're like, Kramer, we're going to hire you for this job. What are the three things you're going to do if we hire you for this job? And they're very high level, very specific things. Mm -hmm. And then instantly, the three things you get in there that you promised to do, you don't do. And then they come back to you and you get offended because people are going, why didn't you do the three <laughs> <Right>. things? <laughs> you don't understand. It, you know, I've, I've got experience at this level. It, it takes a guy like me and we go back to office space. This is what I do. That's my job. Why are you questioning me? I do that. That's my job. You're not taking my job, are you? I'm so tired of I'm I'm fed up. You know, that, that's why I think that candidates that we have to start putting forward have to be people um, that are, are in a position one way or the other. Um, that they're not making any more than thirty or forty thousand dollars a year, right? Um, and um they can afford to go make change because even if the system says fuck you, what are they gonna lose? They have nothing to lose, right? Or you need people that are on the other end um that have been successful, that have means that they don't worry about financial um, restraints or somebody trying to, to to punish them or counsel them so they can step forward. It's hard to get somebody in the middle of that to come in and be a leader and be a loud voice and risk everything that they have or risk everything that a loved one has, a wife or, uh, you know, a a, 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 what do you call it, um, significant other, is if I speak out, they could lose their job. Well, then you can't be a politician. You can't be serving the people if you've got a conflict of interest because of who your wife works for. Yeah, it was interesting. When I ran for public office, I'd already been elected before I knew I got paid. I didn't even know I got paid. <laughs> I was like, really? Are you paid for this? That's awesome. <laughs> and, and okay, so here's a great example. So when I found out I got paid, I was like, how much do we get paid? And they told me, and it was an egregious amount of money. It was like $13,000 a year to be a town councilman. I was like, wait, wait a second. You get paid $13,000 a year to go to two meetings. Well, yep. you do, you spend a lot of the time on other stuff. No, no, no. Your actual job is to go to two right. meetings a yep. month. Yep. Um, so whatever, you know, whatever, like 22 meetings a year. And 
So my first thing I tried to do was I said, all right, let's cut our pay because this is ridiculous that, you know, this is two meetings a month uh, and this is what we get paid. And you know what they told me, Kramer, the state law in Indiana is you cannot cut your pay as an elected official back to where it was more than back to where it was the previous year. Oh, my God. So in the state, and I'm sure it hasn't changed because the Indiana Republican Party wouldn't do anything to mess with the money, even though it's been several years since I've been out of elected office. You cannot, if you want to, essentially, you cannot cut your pay back past where it was the previous year. Think about that. How corrupt is that? Well, that's it. It's self-serving. We we see it time and time again. Where do you, where else in, in our society or in our culture does an employee get to be the one who sets their pay and then vote on, hey guys, I think we ought to be making, we're making 174 a year right now. I think it'd be a lot better if we were making 214. What do you say? Yeah, I think it's good. Let's, let's debate that. Everybody? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, we're all good. 214 it is now. One of the no, guys, no public, of, there's no public, there's no referendum that says, hey, listen, we're going to raise our, our uh, pay to this, right? Here's the problem I have with where we are right now. And I, under, I understand the argument, but the founding fathers didn't intend for you to go to DC and make $174,000 a year. You weren't supposed to live in DC. You're supposed to go, to go to DC, serve, do your part and come back home. And that's where you stayed. So the people in your district knew you and saw you. I can tell you that Jackie Walorski, um, I'm trying to think John King. There's a ton of these guys that I know throughout the state that I've worked with them and, and I probably wouldn't recognize them again. Right. If I saw him, I might, oh, that, that guy looks familiar, but I don't know them. That, it, there, there's a reason they don't live here. If your kids go to school in Maryland or Virginia, you're no longer a citizen of Indiana. Sorry, you do not you do not represent me anymore. Why? Because your kids are in a different school system. One of the people that I served with when I floated this idea out before we started looking into the law, or I looked into the law and found out you couldn't do it. When I pitched this idea to him, I said, man, we make way too much money. We should cut this pay. He goes, oh, no, 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 no. Not only do we not make enough pay, we should make more pay. I th- we should we should have our cell phones paid for. I said, what do you mean we should have our cell phones, phones paid for? He goes, do you know the amount of time I spent talking on my cell phone? I said, this, so this would have been 2011, 2012. I said, what is this, 2002? Do your minutes not start until 9 <laughs> o'clock? Like, you're being charged by the minute for your phone? Like, but in this guy's mind, oh, I spend a lot of time on my phone, so my phone should be paid for. People are always looking for a way to, well, they to, want to, spend, to pass off onto the government. Right, and they want to spend OPM, other people's money. Other people's money is the easiest money to spend. And if you've got an unlimited supply and you can justify time after time after time, I mean, you've seen it. It's a rubber stamp, right? It goes in. People go, yep, we're going to do exactly what we did last year and add 10% or add 3% or add 5%. Nobody looks at the budget. That's why this guy, Tom Heck, out in Nevada, one of the things, the first thing that he's going to do that I think is important on his list is that he's promising on day one to cut the state budget by 10% across the board. He's going to go to his department heads and say, listen, here's what we need. We need 10%. You cut it. I don't care where it comes from, but you cut it. If you don't get it cut, we cut you. We find somebody who can get it done. So there's people in government that are seeing new ways to look at things and, and transform, but it's going to be painful. And there's going to be some people in Nevada that are going to vote for Tom potentially and then lose their job in state government because he's going to cut, cut the budget. Yeah, and, and and it comes back to, again, it's what are you willing to give up to fix the problem? It comes right. back to the Nathan Hale thing. My only regret, regret is I had but I have but one life to give for my country. I'm not asking for your life or anything close to it. I'm saying are you willing to 
take a pay cut? Are you willing to lose a job like Kramer did? Um, you know, I, if I go into a Republican function in Indiana, there's probably a shoot on site order for, you know, right. Uh, right. And so what are you willing to give up? And until people are start, are start going to be willing to give up and make sacrifices um, and get the hand out of the, out of the, you know, the, the cookie jar, uh, things aren't going to get any better. And so many hands in the cookie jar. Now look at what it's doing to the country. Right. Well, I think it's funny. Uh, a buddy of mine put it best and uh, I wish I'd thought of it, but he said, uh, there was another guy, big talk, right? I would do this. I would do this. I'm willing to die for my country and yada, yada, yada. He was just going on. Right. And my buddy, he's, he's um, special forces. And he sits back and he goes, uh, no, you wouldn't. Oh yes, I would. No, you wouldn't. <laughs> you know, what I can tell you're not willing to get arrested. If you're not willing to get arrested for what you believe in, you definitely aren't willing to die for what you believe in. And so I think that what we have in the country right now, and, and I'm not talking about violence or death. What I'm talking about is the dedication to getting this country back on its feet and people stop you know, doing what they're doing. And Bill Barr, for example, just stepped forward, trampled, trampled all over Trump. That's fine. Right. Say what you got to say. But when I hear that it's in a book. Now you're doing, you didn't just come forward and say, listen, Trump was the worst president we've ever had. And here's why here's the information. Here you go. I put it on a website. Go enjoy it. No, he put it in a book so he can make money. Well, now but, he still, but, he, but he still said he vote for the guy. Yeah. I, it's insane. It, we do. I talked, I, somebody said that. Cause I talked about this today on the air and I played that clip. So we're supposed to believe the bill Barr only when it came down to make a profit believes, Oh, Trump was vicious. He was evil. He was awful. He was terrible. He may have incited an insurrection, but then when he gets posed the question, would you vote for the guy? He says, yes. Why? No. Well, because there's nothing worse than the radical left. Then why aren't you out ripping on the guy who's in the office now who is the radical left? Right. Well, and that's, that's what cracks me up. Now here's the thing. Here's, here's what cracks me up about it most is that conservatives are upset about what he said, but they're not buying his book. Do you know who's buying his book? Liberals, Democrats. Yep. What a bunch of fucking idiots. But they want to confirm what they believe. All, they've got this confirmation bias and Barr is going to help them do it. And they, they feel great about it because, hey, he's on our side. He's not on your side. He just duped you out of 1999 or 3499 or whatever the book cost. You idiot. But, but here's the problem. And Trump did this to himself. Trump got elected. The, the best campaign Trump ran. And I say this, this is somebody who interviewed Trump, who met Trump. He was awesome. It was one of the greatest days of my entire life when he was running for president. He was great. Um the best campaign Trump ran was the one in the primary because he had no one from the establishment around him. Right. And right. his presidential campaign against Clinton wasn't a fraction as good or as efficient as the one he ran in the primaries, which is why he boat raced everybody in the primaries. And he had a real right. close one in the general. And when he became president, he surrounded himself because he listened to a whole bunch of people that said, like McConnell, who said, well, you're yep. going to need like my wife in there and you're going to need the Dan Coates and you're, you know, yep. you're going to eventually need to bring in people like Bill Barr because the establishment will play nice with you and you need us. Those are the people that screwed him. Yep. The machine, the swamp, yes. the people who have been having their hand out in Washington for ages. I mean, it's he amazing to me the people that pop up in the scene all of a sudden. I mean, look at the guys that went to jail, right? Um, uh, what, what are the two that went to jail uh, that were part of his? Uh, campaign with the Barisma and the Ukraine. What was his name? Um, oh, oh yeah, the, the guy, the guy who ran the the uh, the ran the campaign. Ran the originally. campaign initially, right? Again, you go in and there's this trash on people because that's what they've been doing. Listen, the, the difference between the left and the right, and people seem to think that we, we just call it the left. The the difference between the left and the right is we do hold our guys accountable. I like to think we do, right? And we call it we call a spade a spade when it happens. There's you know us speaking out against uh, um, Trump. 
and saying, listen, I don't, I don't agree with what he's doing here or Holcomb or other Republican leaders. That's what we do. We hold them accountable or try to at least say what we believe about them, but we don't protect them. That, that's what people say. Well, you're in a cult. You listen, Trump was not the end all be all of presidents. When it came to, I can't listen to the man talk. He's in, he just drives me crazy because he meanders all over the place. He can't get from A to Z to save his life. I don't need to talk to him. I don't need to listen to him. I like his policies. His policies kept us out of wars. His policies brought the lowest unemployment, the highest job rate. The stock When people talk about stock market, I'm talking about a healthy stock market, right? The, the, housing, the housing issue was starting to get taken care of. There's all these things that he did right. That's what I care about. And as far as what he said or done, I don't give a shit. The rest of that doesn't matter. Right. And, and it goes back to Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton, the problem with Bill Clinton wasn't that he was stooping these women. It's that he lied about it. All you had to say is, yeah, have you seen my wife? She's an old hag. Yeah, I'm getting some, I'm getting some action on the side here. Wouldn't you if you were me? Well, Look don't at forget, the tail I'm pulling. Don't, don't, <laughs> don't forget though, Kramer. He got he got caught lying because he was under oath because of other bull crap right. he was pulling. It's not that he lied, he about, lied about it. He lied about it under oath. Right. Right. <laughs> right. So, and, and I know we're getting short on time here, but that's the point. The, the, and I, gosh darn it, we're forgetting his name, and that's terrible. But Lewandowski ran the campaign in the primary, and it was right. super efficient. The guy they brought in for the general election, they tried to make it, well, Trump's campaign manager, blah, blah, blah. The establishment wanted that guy. Yep. They brought yep. him in. Yep. Yep. Now, Trump All was stupid people, to listen to him, but. Yep. That's, that, that's the machine that came in, and I said from the get-go, get out. Trump would have been better off, Right to go into middle America and go to some university uh, or go to some local area of business, um, go, come to a city like Indianapolis. What people don't realize about Indianapolis is that Indianapolis is the, the 12th largest city in the country, right? It's huge. Because it's a sleepy town, well, it's the 12th largest. That, we're a big population center in the U.S., right? So coming to a center like us <clears throat> or going to Chicago or other large markets uh, and finding business leaders saying, listen, we want you to come for two years to serve. We need, we need your help. We do not trust the people that, that are currently in this position. We need all new people in, right? I'm tired of this bullshit of, well, we got to use people that experienced. That's the ones that got us in this mess. That's that's why we are where we are. Yeah, who knows more about transportation? A guy who's run a tr uh, small-level truck trucking company or Pete Buttigieg? Perfect example. Right. Just the, just the Here's the thing, and I think that you know it, it's been said before. You don't know what you don't know. Right now, that can be good and bad. In what I do, sometimes it helps because what I go in, and I go, I don't know, not to ask. So I go, well, why can't we do it that way? Well, let's try. Right, we'll just try. And if it doesn't work, then it doesn't work. But at least we're going to try do something different. Um, he doesn't know what question to ask to get things done. Right, he wouldn't know. Like for example, I don't know what the layering of asphalt is and when you can lay asphalt and when you can't. Can you do it in the rain? Can you do it in the cold? How cold can you do it? What do you have to do? What's the logistics? What's just the process? How many men do you need to go out and do potholes? How many potholes can they get done in an hour? Right. So if you know how many get they get done in an hour, then you can expect how many get they get done in a day with the city the way that it is. How many of those teams are we going to have? And what's that cost going to be? That's a business process. Walking through that. How, how, how much is it going to cost to get these potholes done? How long will they last? So if we do spend $3.2 million on these potholes of just putting stuff in them to fill them right now, is that a waste of money that we could better spend and spend the same exact amount of money, money and get some of those potholes completely clean, completely done, and then we go back with others and fill them in? Those are all business decisions. You know to ask those things because you've been in the process of going through that before. Building, building a campaign or uh, building out something for your business, you, that's the process. Politicians don't do that. They don't think like that. 
because I'm sure that they go to somebody and they say, okay, we need, we need these um, potholes done. And they go, well, it's not in the budget. Can't do it. That street can't be done this week. But there was the budget to paint Indiana Avenue a couple of years ago. Yeah. They can always find the money for things that they want. Yeah. Every yeah. time, every time 100%. it's amazing. Well, Rob, thanks so much for dropping in. Um, Thank you. Rob Kendall. We've been talking to Rob Kendall. He's um, mornings at WIBC in Indianapolis, Indiana. Rob, tell us where else we can find you. You can find me at WIBC.com. Like you said, 93.1. If you're in Indianapolis, uh, nine until noon weekdays. And Kramer has uh, had a profound influence on my life. My first job in radio was an overnight disc jockey. Kramer did the imaging for my show. Yeah, that was a long time ago. That, that, that was a whole lifetime ago. Many moons ago. Yeah, and 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 he was super talented, just had more hair and was better looking back then. <laughs> yeah, I got a lot less hair now. Well, thanks again for coming out. We'll have Thank to you. do this again. Appreciate it so much. Thanks, bud. This, this is Kramer Says TV. <laughs>